I'm Neil. I'm Louise. And I'm Ronnie. I'm Daisy's dad. I'm Daisy's mum. And I'm Daisy's grandpa. In 2018, Daisy was diagnosed with regressive autism. She gradually lost all of her speech and began to show typical autistic traits. She'd spin in circles, avoid eye contact and make loud monotone noises. This was a huge shock. As up until this point, Daisy had been speaking in seven or eight word sentences. And had memorised pretty much 20 to 30 books. Since then, we've all been on a journey of discovery. In this podcast, we'll talk about that journey. And explore the impact autism has had on all of us. The lows. And the highs. This is the story of Daisy. And me. Episode 1, Accidents and Emergencies. Hello and welcome to the second series of Daisy and Me podcast. I'm Daisy's granddad and our mum and dad are here and Neil and Lou. Uh, we're back after a while. It's good to be back. You guys are, we're still uh, Zooming, even though we're around the corner, we're still Zooming, aren't we? Yeah, we are. But I mean, luckily we've been able to start the childcare bubble up again. Yeah. Yeah. And you have a Daisy downstairs your end, don't you? Because yeah. um, <laughs> grandma's still free. Um, but yeah, it's been, we did the last one of these at Christmas. Oh, yeah. And it's been a weird three months, <laughs> four months now, really. We made the decision uh, that to protect me, because uh, I hadn't been jabbed, uh, that uh, we weren't going to have Daisy back in the house uh, for a while. And, it, it, um, you know, it was it was a tough decision to make. But I think for the safety with the, the pandemic, uh, it, it was the right thing to do. It's the right call. Yeah, I think I was, I was going to ask you about that, actually, because um, one of the things that we've had feedback from people on this podcast about how sort of, you know, it's useful for parents of kids with autistic uh, uh, parents of autistic kids. Um, but actually grandparents have had to deal with an awful lot, particularly yeah. during this time, because we know that when you look after your other grandkids or at the height of this, right at the start of the year, you could sort of socially distance mm. and you can't with Daisy. No. And actually how's that three months been? Where you haven't seen her since Christmas. I, it was tougher than first time round. I've got to say mm. it was tougher because, because um, we were back in this this the horrible situation, the kind of the pandemic. So it was tougher not to have her, and we'd got into the pattern again. And we know we talked before. Daisy was in the routine um, of coming here. This is our second home, so um, that that was that was tough, and it was tough when she was pointing towards the door when you know, and. And ever and she and she really recognises now. You must have seen that as well, Lou. Yeah, definitely. I think again. I think this sort of second time round has probably had more of an impact on all of us. I think so. She she sort of she does get used to routines, but you definitely notice a change in her when there's sort of things that are withdrawn. So I think I think she she significantly missed. Mm grandparents on both sides mm-hmm. um and that's hard isn't it because you know how important those relationships are for her for her development and her social well we've noticed as well that um uh, one of the big uh, impacts of this lockdown and all the lockdowns that we've been through is change yeah and the impact that have that has on daisy's behavior because um now that we're easing out of it now mm. that she's seeing you guys now that we're able to meet up with other family members outdoors, mm. it's it's impacted her quite significantly. Quite recently, we've we've had a run of three nights 
Uh, and bearing in mind, she's still taking melatonin for her sleep. We've had a run of three nights where she's just been awake for four hours in the night. And mm. and we just, um, we're putting that down to Easter, a lot of chocolate. <laughs> uh, Grandpa, a lot of chocolate. <laughs> and, <laughs> and just seeing other people that she wasn't seeing. Yeah. Because when you think about it, it's hard for any kid. Because yeah. they've, they've said, you know, Throughout this pandemic, we've said you can see grandma and grandpa, you can see nana and granddad. Oh, actually, now you can't. can't. Yeah. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Yes, you can again. Yeah. And now you can't. And it's it's got to have messed with her head. Well, you wonder what she thinks about that. You wonder as well whether there's anxiety that at any time she's not going to be able to see one mm. of us or you don't know how much of an impact that has. I certainly know we, we'd sort of gotten into a bit of a routine I think for a month or two where things were actually really settled, we were doing sort of video calls to family and things, weren't we? Um, But then it's the last, I'd say the last week. So she's seen you guys, she's seen my mum and dad. We met up with your brother and um, all the kids and, and it was lovely. She had such an amazing time. But the knock-on effect of that has been, I think, an escalation in some behavioural issues and sleep. And, and it's been <laughs> the last few days we've just been like, Okay, yep, that's what's going on. Yeah, okay, that's what's going on. And you have to sort of figure it all out, don't yeah. you? And then you realise. But yeah. yeah. Tell me what you want. Tell me what you want then. Full <laughs> <laughs> sentence. I want grandpa. <laughs> Quite a big on the positive yeah. side, though, uh, uh, I, it, it's funny because we were doing, doing the Zoom calls. But the change in the three months has been so massive in terms of or just the, th- the things, the eye contact, um, we things as well, the right feet, the right wellies, you know. Um, yeah. yeah. And I'm getting there as well. The, you know, the two of us are coming. <laughs> <out so hard. laughs> but, but we are getting the eye contact. Uh, I was learning from you guys the way that when you want her to listen to you, you just kind of make it look. And she's doing all that now as well. And... It's, it just seems like a huge leap, and she's growing as well. She's going, she's going to be one of the few tall people in the family. Um, so th- <laughs> there's all that. It, it, so the positive is that it through this, and we know this wee girl just bounces along. You know, she takes it on much better than we do. So clearly, she is adapting, and um, her reaction with the world and taking in the world. For instance, before I came up here to do this. I was, uh, we were pointing to the clock um, that uh, our grandma was just uh, the other day showed her she's going to get something to eat at half past 11 and pointed to the six and she kept on looking. So I was downstairs there. She looked at the clock again and I counted round the dial with her and she mm. said more and I had to do it again and again. So, you know, this, these wee, yeah. wee incremental things, just brilliant. Well, that's, that's the new, um, the new obsession. big obsession mm. is the alphabet. Um, yeah, and, phonics, you know, when, when you think about non-verbal kids, you assume that you're not going to be able to do that sort of mm. sing the alphabet and, you know, which letter is this and that, whatever. But Daisy's taken to it, honestly, like a duck to water, because we've got these big four pieces, tiles that you in- interconnect that have got letters in them. And she just goes through it and she can put it all she in order. It's the whole order of all the letters. She just, she? And yeah, numbers as well. It's, it's pretty much... Most of the day is just me going A, B, C, D, <laughs> E, F, G, H. So I know the alphabet better than I ever have, mm-hmm. which is a plus. But she used to, when she was little, she 
she learned the alphabet song from a really young age. She learned to count at 20 mm. from a really young age. And then all of that disappeared. But it's like, it's, you always know what she's doing at school because when she comes back, what happens is, it will be on something on her tablet. She'll either start watching a phonics song and you'll say to the TA the next day, oh, have you been doing something with phonics? Yes, we've been doing phonics. Or she started watching The Hungry Caterpillar, didn't she? Mm. Or was interested in The Hungry Caterpillar book. So have you, oh, you've been doing that at school? Yes. So she's taking what she's learning at school and she's bringing it home and she's exploring that in her own way. So even though she's still not talking, there is a definite interest in mm. letters and you, you just think all those phonics at some point surely she's yes. going to start talking yeah, or singing it'll just, it'll burst but open and... even if she doesn't hopefully she will be able to read if she's that that's the that's the hope isn't it i mean she's... i guess i guess one of the positives is just what you're saying dad mm. is because we haven't been able to see people like you and and lose mum and dad and others is we're we're in this every day we don't see mm. the little changes and we don't no. see you know we but once we've been out of contact with you and now we get that from you yeah it's actually really nice to hear because you assume that oh crikey we're, we're, we're plodding along at the same yeah. pace here and nothing's changing Honestly, oh, it is. It, it's it's great and we're going to move on to our guest today in a second but it's been great um it's a granddad coming round to pick her up and I'm at the window and recognising me and smiling. And, you know, that is yeah. such such a, it's just brilliant because you just think she I mean, knows. That, that sort of says, that says more about your face than anything, I think. <laughs> okay, though. fair enough. This <laughs> this face is going to be yours in uh, 30 years' time. <laughs> so, yeah, get on, tra- get on the train, son. Um, what is the title of this episode? Again, you told me at the start and I've completely forgotten. Is accidents and emergencies, and actually, um, it is something Kevin Chapman is our guest uh, later this episode. Who he's a YouTuber, um, and he's got you know he's got one of the greatest jobs in the world. He gets to play computer games online, <laughs> and he makes money out of it, which is brilliant. But he's also a stepdad to Andy, who I think is uh, sixteen, um, and uh, is autistic and lives with him and. I mean, you and I spoke to him, Dad. He, they've had some pretty hairy experiences. Oh, my goodness. You know, yeah. police have been called out because of violence and yeah. televisions have been smashed. And um, we did that interview a little while back and um, uh, it, it struck me that something happened to us a few weeks later that sort of played into that what is an accident, what is an emergency, because... Uh, when was it? Must have been start of March. Um, so yeah, so Daisy, um, Daisy's not a stranger to hospitals or A and E. So over the years, I mean, obviously with all her heart stuff, uh, there were lots of trips to the hospital and her surgery. And we've had a couple of A and E trips. So there was one where she fell backwards, or well, she literally stepped backwards off a climbing frame. Mm-hmm. So, um, but we had an incident at school. The school um, phoned you, didn't they? Because yeah. she'd stood on a. Uh, football in the playground um and had just gone smack on her head on the front of her head um so you yeah well I got, I got the phone call and then it was um can you can you come and come and see her because uh she's bumped her head and of course I'm I'm at work and I'm sort of going do, do, do you need me do you need me to come and see her? Are you sure and they went yeah you better come and see her <laughs> so I went along and honestly I nearly swore in the school. I walked in and I looked at her and the lump on her head, I went, oh, sugar. And 
it was massive yeah so we we looked at her and uh, you know she was she was happy by that point um and i said i better take her away and i, I rang i facetimed you guys and, and mum looked at it um and you had a look at it uh over facetime and yeah sure enough we better go to the minor injuries go to minor injuries daisy's a bit subdued can't tell whether it's because of the head hit or whether it's just the situation so of course i have to tell the the person in minor injuries that she is a bit subdued but i i kind of know what that means mm. <laughs> so i said yeah well she is a little bit subdued but i can't tell if that's um and she said yeah i think you need to go to a and e and I just, my head fell into my hands. I was like, I knew this was coming. Yeah. It's a bump on the head. It's a really bad one. It's, but yeah. she was fine. The difficulty is when you have a child with a social communication disorder and sensory processing issues and all of those things, a head injury is something that you can't assess. So you can't, you think about light sensitivity, headache, nausea all of those things that you would ask a child or you would get a sense of you can't with a child with autism so every time something happens to Daisy we just have this oh they're going to send us to A&E and then as a parent you think well if I don't take her and something happens you can yeah. feel really guilty I mean in all fairness they did say they normally worry about five centimeter lumps and hers was four and a half centimeters so it took up yeah. the whole of her forehead mm. so was, it was the right it, thing that we went it but big, it's just big. that process every Every time, it was every a, single time. It was a it was a big lump, um, and and of course it brings into and and that's what you kind of hinted at as well. There is you can't see directly, you know, is it are, are you are you are you dizzy or anything? Nothing. There's no way of her saying um, what's mm. going on, and that. Yeah, sensitivity to lights. Well, children with autism have sensitivity. Yeah. They get headaches. She does this funny eye closing thing. You you just can't you can't assess. Yeah. It's it's really horrible. And uh, you know the the long and short of it is we went to Addenbrooke's. We went into the A and E. They they looked at her and we were out within half an hour. Good feel of her skull. So I was quite um, I was quite happy there was no skull fracture. So it was all fine. She's got a hard head like me. Um, <laughs> But it's, it's, it just played into that a whole, you know, what is an emergency? Mm. What is an accident? We don't know. But it's also, it, it's hard, isn't it? You th I mean, I think about the times that we were in hospital with her when she's had other stuff going on and how hard that was. But actually now there is an anxiety. So, I mean, the prospect of having to be in hospital with her again and trying to support her in that environment I mean even having like blood tests things like that it is it's hard with any child but with a child with autism everything is magnified it's so much yeah. more stressful it's um yeah <laughs> not fun um, which brings us on to our guest uh, Kevin Chapman who who uh, you're saying now um, uh, is uh, is stepdad uh, to his lad and his story is 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 really quite. Um, I'm trying to think of the right adjective, but it's it's, it's quite shocking in parts, um, and it's very mm. realistic. It's very true as well for his particular situation. So let's listen to him now, Kevin Chapman. It's a little bit of an unusual story for me, I guess, because I'm Andy's stepdad, so I wasn't there when he was first diagnosed. So I've only ever known Andy diagnosed um, explanations for, for his behavior, but I kind of came into it um, with 
my partner fully understanding um, Andy and all of his quirks and his diagnosis and all of that stuff. Uh, but me coming into it as a completely as an outsider. So I remember when we first, when I first started chatting to his mum, she mentioned in one of our first conversations that he had ASD. And I'm like, I don't know what ASD is, but I'm not going to say anything. So I don't want to look dumb. So (laughs) I'm going to make a mental note of that and then go and Google that after we've, you know, later on and kind of clue myself up on what it is. And then that's when I, oh, so that's okay. Autism spectrum disorder. I've heard of autism and um, kind of went off and because I'm, an obsessive researcher uh, went off and did um, all of my reading about it afterwards. And um, so I kind of came into it backwards, if you like. Uh, but Anna tells me Andy's story is, uh, it's a pretty common one. He, um, there's pictures of him when he was younger eating a spaghetti bolognese and it was probably one of the last times he ever ate meat. Um, and he just kind of got uh, maybe two years old and it was uh it just became clear that he suddenly stopped progressing. He'd hit all of his milestones up until that point, but then kind of stopped hitting them and um, started to, I mean, he's never been diagnosed with regressive autism, but he did when his diet pulled right back, his communication pulled right back. Um, and he's then kind of built on from that over the, I mean, he's 16 now, so he's built built upon that over the last 14 years or so. So by the time I met him, he was, um, I think he was seven, eight years old. He was still um, having milk out of a baby's bottle every day, but he was also eating crisps and biscuits. And it was a very limited diet, but he'd moved beyond where he was when he was first diagnosed. Uh, I've watched the uh, the last couple because I'm new to the party um, and looking at your, your videos, uh, Kevin, but I just was struck by the honesty. And uh, as a granddad, it's a bit scary uh, where you're at at the moment in particular. Um, what made you decide that you wanted to share this? Was it that kind of, you know, you know, you had done your research and found out there wasn't much being said about it and not much being shared about the life of a family? Yeah, I mean, it kind of, it kind of happened almost by accident. I was, I was doing YouTube anyway. I started doing um, uh, gaming stuff. And then decided I quite fancied having a go at a vlog. And the vlog was originally going to be me just kind of sharing my day-to-day life. I mean, it was never going to be an autism vlog, but um, it kind of obviously creeps in. My day-to-day life massively involves stuff that's going on with Andy and Andy being a part of that. So um, he he started to uh, become more and more into the videos. And that seemed to be the parts of the videos that was really connecting with people. And we started to have people reach out to us. And that's where we realized that there was just this huge gap, as you say, where people aren't actually sharing real stories. And you get a lot of, um, you get a lot of polished up content from mainstream media that shows whatever narrative they're looking to show. Um, And you get the guidance that you get from charities and, and social services and that kind of thing. But what was missing was like you say honesty um people just honestly telling it like it is looking at the highs and the lows and not trying to sugarcoat any of it and um aside from the odd book here and there it was, it was something that nobody was really doing at the time and it the it we, we were just really struck by how many people were reaching out to us um and just saying this is my story exactly and i've ne- I, I thought our kid was the only one or i thought our mm. family was the only one and 
we'd get 20 comments like that on a video and it'd be we'd start seeing these people start connecting with each other and mm. it it was really cool seeing that we were kind of not only sharing our story but allowing other people to share their stories with each other and building these these bonds and these connections and it kind of became certainly for a good couple of years it became one of the the main focuses of um of that channel of those videos it's still i still maintain it's not an autism vlog it's still just a <laughs> a vlog about my life but obviously there are times when stuff that's going on with andy takes center stage in that like some of the stuff that's been going on recently with the difficulties with his moving house and the difficulties that he's had during lockdown and i mean he's not been he's not he's had maybe half a term of school in the last year um because of lockdown and house moving and that's a big challenge for him so um it kind of comes in comes in waves whether it's andy focus or Okay, Andy's just going along fine in the background at the moment. We don't need to force it. We don't need because again, you get bits. You get there is there are some weird things that you see on the internet where people always seem to have a story to tell. Always seem to have uh, the latest meltdown or the latest problem. Or the, uh, and sometimes it does feel a little bit forced. Whereas we're very much of a of the opinion of if we've got uh, if we've got a story to tell, we'll tell the story. If not, we'll tell a different story because he's not the only thing going on in our lives. It's just sometimes he takes centre stage because I mean that's the, the nature of how our life is. And we just, it's always been warts and all full honesty because I think that's one of the great things about YouTube. You can do that. You don't have to, you don't have to please the bosses or the, uh, you know, you don't have to, you don't, don't answer to anybody. You make your content and people either like it or they don't. And, um, that's always kind of been my policy with it. Just make an honest video and um, accept that probably some people moan. <laughs> some people will think it's great. Um, just on that, just take us through, uh, I hesitate to say an ordinary day with Andy because we both know that no day is ever the same. Mm. But just take us through kind of from wake up to, to sort of, you, I mean, you, you work at night streaming your videos and stuff but what is an ordinary day for you yeah just I mean, generally at the moment we still haven't really discovered what ordinary is because um it's changed so much we were in quite a nice routine up until this time last year where we'd kind of been settled into a routine of him going to school and um his mum had been able to go back to university she'd had to give that up years before because of having to stay at home with him but she'd um she'd been able to go back to university. I'd been able to leave my job as a teacher and pursue this stuff full time. And we had a good three year run where everyone was just ticking along nicely. Andy was going to school. We were doing what we needed to do and it was all working. And then March hit and um, straight away school changed and he didn't want to go anymore because it was different. And it kind of all got turned on its head. Um, so in, since then as well, um, we've moved house to a new area. His mum started a, started a job having finished uni. She graduated in the summer and has now started her full-time job. And so we've now kind of in the last year, it's been switched on its head where she's gone from, where it's gone from her being his primary carer um, and me beavering away in the background working to she's going out to work and I'm kind of trying to balance my work with being his primary carer because he's here 24 seven. He's here all day long. So he gets up typically when we get up, as soon as he starts hearing any motion in the house, he'll be up and out of bed. So somewhere between six and seven, depending on what we've got on that day. Um, he likes to start the day with some headspace um, meditation-y stuff, um, just to 
It's just a nice way to wake him up. Um, he has the same breakfast every day. He always has six slices, six slices of toast. Ah, yeah, six slices of toast. Um, he uh, and then he kind of once he's done that and like got washed, got dressed, done his teeth, that kind of thing. He'll kind of um, go off and do his own thing. Um, he, we've we've tried getting him to do the whole Joe Wicks PE thing. We've tried getting him to do any kind of home learning stuff. Um, when we were still at the old house, he was still officially in a school, so they would send stuff home for us to try and do with him. And we just got to the point where it was it was really raising up his anxiety because he didn't want to be doing it. As far as he was concerned, schoolwork is what you do at school. Home is where you get to do what you want. And he couldn't get his head around the fact that the same location could be used for different purposes. So we ended up through discussion with everybody involved, we ended up kind of agreeing, yeah, let's stop trying to push him to do work at home because it's just stressing him out at home. And it's meaning he doesn't want to be here, but he also doesn't want to be anywhere else. And it was really causing some serious anxiety spikes and meltdown issues. Um, so we're kind of now at the point where he, he'll he come and have his breakfast and then go off and do his own thing, which for him um, is often, um, and it's not great, but, it's what he wants to do. It's often playing on his games console or mm. um, look, watching YouTube on his iPad or he's really into trains. He's got a train simulator game that he likes to play. Mm. Um, so he'll do his train stuff and he'll, he's like surrounded like he's got a London underground map in his room and he's got a station side on his wall and he's big into trains at the moment. Uh, but then he'll come down for lunch at 12 o'clock every day. Um, always 12 o'clock, always the same lunch, two waffles, four fish fingers, <laughs> and maybe a couple of bags of crisps. Um, and then he'll go off upstairs and do his own thing again. So while he's in his room doing his stuff, that's when I'm sneaking in maybe a little bit of editing or something. I, I might record a video. Um, I'm trying to fit my work around what he's doing. Um, and then again, he'll be upstairs until five o'clock, five o'clock. He'll come down for his dinner, always the same time, always the same dinner. Two waffles, four fish fingers, but now also four Yorkshire puddings. Um, but they have to be frozen <laughs> ones. He won't eat homemade Yorkshire puddings. It has to be frozen ones. Um, so our freezer is basically just Yorkshire puddings, waffles, and and fish fingers. That's all that lives in our freezer. Um, and then by that point, his mum's usually home, and that's when they'll start doing um, some of their other bits. So he likes to watch a Disney film every day. He has a set Disney film that he watches each day of the week. What is it? It's Wednesday as we're recording this. So I think Wednesday is uh I think Wednesday is Toy Story Day. So I think he'll be watching Toy Story at some point today. Um Daisy absolutely then, Daisy loves Toy Story as well. There must be something in it. Yeah, Toy Story is awesome. So I mean he'll watch it, he'll watch all four of them on certain days. So I think he goes Wednesday through to Saturday is the Toy Story series. Then he'll have Frozen One and Two on Sunday and Monday. And for some reason Tuesday's Wally. He loves Wally. That's his oh. Tuesday film. Um, but then he has his his bath routines, his nighttime routines. He uses his headspace stuff again. Um, yeah, and it's it's always the same. There will occasionally be variation because we might be able to get him to go somewhere. Um, but the whole going out for your daily exercise thing, he won't do yeah. that. He won't leave the house unless he's going somewhere. He won't do anything unless there's a purpose to it. So just going out for a walk is an absolute no-no. He won't do that. If we're walking to somewhere, he might do it. Obviously, at the moment, we can't walk to somewhere um, because we're not allowed to go to places. <laughs> so yeah, he yeah. Um, he's not leaving the house at the moment, really, apart from to drive his mum to and from work. Um, or if we need to nip to the shop, maybe he'll nip out for that. But by and large, his day, and this is seven days a week. This isn't just weekdays. This has been 
pretty much all day, every day since we moved into this house in mid October. Um, it's been the same. The uh, the recent video, uh, uh, Kevin, when when Andy had a real meltdown, and it resonated with me this week because uh, I've had Daisy a couple afternoons, uh, you know, because I'm uh, sort of um, look, you know, sort of in the bubble, but I wasn't able to entertain her that well, and I felt I, I was a bit low about it because I wasn't, uh, you know, there's some days she responds, and, other, and I just was a bit low about it, and then I saw that video you were about when. When you had to call the police, or it was it was a violent with you, and you were really down about the fact that you you couldn't do anything for him, Kevin, and I just went, that that that's it. That that's there's no reasoning, you know, because it's not a kind of uh, you know sort of normal existence in in that sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's um, and you do have days like that where there, there is just nothing you can do. It's um. And you, it, the trick is to obviously keep telling yourself that it's not, you're not being a bad parent or a bad carer or whatever it might be. It's just sometimes we just can't give them what they want because what they want is so specific and they can't communicate what it is that, you know, you might get there by trial and error every now and again, or they might figure it out. Um, but there's sometimes it's it's just not an option. I mean, the one one where we had to call the police out it was the worst it's ever been um that was that was just to do with the internet going down we'd uh we'd moved into we'd just moved into the house um we had problems setting up the internet we thought we had it all arranged before we moved in because we knew how important it would be i came over here a couple of days before we moved in and the guy from the uh the internet company was just like yeah this isn't gonna work it's gonna be a couple of weeks <laughs> that's no good we move in on saturday it can't be a couple of weeks it's got to be today so we ended up buying all sorts of 4g routers and um sim cards for all of his devices and we must have spent four or five hundred pounds trying to make sure there was a solid internet connection here for him and the 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 thing and from our point of view we got the job done 80 percent of the time mm-hmm. there was a solid internet connection but it would occasionally drop out because it was over 4G or it's a three-story house. The router was downstairs and he was right upstairs. I mean, it was a it was a 4G router rather than a Wi-Fi one. And um, there was just the odd moment where it would drop out and he was watching one of his Disney movies and the connection just dropped and it started to buffer and he couldn't cope with it. The day before the police came out, he'd been watching a Disney movie in the living room and it buffered and he put his fist through the TV and shattered the TV. Um so the next day, um, we made sure we were there with him. He was watching it in his room because we didn't have a new TV yet in the living room. Um, we were there with him and it buffered and there's still nothing we can do about it. And he just couldn't cope with it buffering. Um, and there was nothing we could do to make it better. And then once he's gone over the edge, yeah, there's nothing. Can I, can I ask you this one, Kevin? Is it a redundant question? Because, you know, sometimes when you're out with, with Daisy, where, you know, and she has a wee bit of a meltdown, you can see people looking and going, oh, it's just bad behaviour. Is it a redundant question to say, you know, can you sort out the difference between bad behaviour and the autism? Is it all one and the same, do you think? No, I think you, I think you can tell. I, I, I think over time, over time, you start to notice the differences because he, when he's fully in a meltdown, he is he completely loses control and there's no reasoning with him. There's no communicating with him. Um, He doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know who we are. He doesn't recognize us. 
he doesn't know what he's doing. And I think that is different from bad behavior or a temper tantrum because when he's misbehaving and trying to push the boundaries and test what he can get away with, there'll be the odd look where he's checking to see how we're reacting <laughs> or he'll stop for a second. Exactly. And, yeah. um, it's, or if he, like, one of the things he does is he'll smash stuff up. And if he's, if he's faking it, he'll, ooh, you know, he'll hit something and be like, ah, that hurt. Whereas when he's in a full meltdown, he can headbutt a wall full pace and not flinch. And he'll just go back in for another one because he's not feeling it. Um, whereas when he's trying it on, he's feeling it. Um, so over time, we kind of learn the difference. I, I would say it's still, we're not 100% right all the time. But I think there are definitely, he knows there are things that he can he knows he can try and push the boundaries and try and get away with mm-hmm. stuff and use it to get what he wants. And like, if, if he asks for something and we say no, sometimes he'll shout back at yes. And it's like, yeah, but I'm still going to say no. And I don't think this is a meltdown. I think you just think if you shout, you'll get what you want. And and, and that's, that's exactly the same with Daisy. We, when you said about that little look, yes. um, that is so true, Kevin. Honestly, she literally, uh, half the time, you know, we've got an issue with Daisy and and roads. Um, she won't stop at a curb. Um, and, and it, you know, obviously it's terrifying and everything. But, um, but half the time, so we live around the corner from my mum and dad, literally to walk like 30 seconds. She will get out the door. And I'll say, no, we're going in the car or we're going to wherever. And she will run off around the corner and just do a little look behind. Yeah. And I'll go, Daisy, stop. And then she'll smile and run off. And okay. I just, and I know, but, but equally, there are times where she will just stop. She'll just completely lose it. And yeah. she wants whatever she wants. And just, just when you're, when you're talking about Andy's behavior and, and you're talking about the, uh we can't give him what he wants i totally get that as a dad and as a stepdad how do you process the guilt that goes with that because i know when daisy's having a meltdown or when you know daisy bites herself she bites her fingers when she's really really upset and she's got horribly you know damaged fingers how do you process the guilt that goes with you know as a dad you're supposed to be able to look after your kids and make sure that they're safe and and they're not hurting themselves and doing what they want how do you process that guilt um i mean i i uh for me and this is one of the more selfish reasons why i do the youtube channel um having thousands of people tell me i'm great after I'm <laughs> really helps it really does if you go on there and um <laughs> you know you're feeling really rubbish about something and then you you talk through the whole story and then everyone's going, yeah, but you did everything you could. You did everything right. That kind of does validate the, yeah, okay. I'm not, it wasn't me. And that does, it does really help. And I realise obviously that's a, a pretty lucky position that I'm in that I've got that. But it's, I guess, trying to, trying to, and it's really hard to do without other people helping, but trying to remind yourself to keep it in perspective and, um just reflect back on what happened and if you genuinely think you did everything you could and there's nothing that you could do you've got to try and learn to move on from it and not dwell on it because you're not 
there's no benefit to dwelling on it and it's it's all like uh, reflection and and mental gymnastics stuff because telling someone not to dwell on something that's gone wrong is like a red rag to a bull well, I'm going to dwell on it more now <laughs> um but it's it, it does kind of come down to that you've got to be really honest with yourself because there are times when you could do better I'm sure um but there are times when you know you've done everything you can and it's learning to separate the two because that's how you learn from the stuff that you did wrong like um we had an incident um earlier in the year where we went down to London and we went to the O2 and Andy wanted to do some filming there and we were stopped on the way in um, and told we wouldn't be able to film and what and he had a little bit of a wobble then I think looking back we probably could have just right we're gonna go home now and we'll perhaps come back here tomorrow but because he was having his little bit of a wobble we kind of backed off, didn't want to cause a big public scene, thought we might be okay. So we went in anyway and he got stopped again. And when he got, when he got stopped for the second time, that's when all hell broke loose. And looking back on it, everything that happened after it all went wrong in the O2, we did everything completely right. But what we could have done differently is maybe gone and done something else rather than going in there when we could already see there was a potential wobble with that situation. Um, and you just got, it's about, really reviewing what's gone on and and picking up on the bits that you did wrong and the bits that you and so you know by all means we'll all beat ourselves up for the stuff we do wrong but we all have to also learn to give ourselves a pat on the back when we do something right and most of the time we're doing everything we can and you gotta take the wins or you always got to take the wins <laughs> Um, I was going to ask you because you've, you've moved as well, Kevin, and uh, you know, you're the whole thing of trying to get support in your new area, and you still were in touch with your old uh, social worker. Are you amazed as I am? The more I've done this, the more interviews I've found with talking to people, the, the, it's an old cliche, the postcode lottery of support. It's, it's just outrageous. How can we not have some kind of blanket template? that somebody like yourself can move into an area and it just kind of kicks up. You get the same level of support uh, for, for your child, but it doesn't work. I mean, the worst thing is, and this was the thing that really shocked me, we weren't even allowed to start applying for stuff until we had a postcode in our new county. So we actually had to move before we could ask what help we could have. So that's why that incident when the police were called a couple of days after we lived here, that's why we got to that point because we had no one else to call because we'd been here two days. So the first thing we did when we moved in is, right, let's, let's now we live here, let's try and get him a school, let's try and get him a social worker. But by then it's too late because there's that gap where you have nothing. And what we found in the new areas, one of the things that helped him the most where we were before is he would get monthly respite where he would go away for a couple of, a couple of nights a month um, to a respite centre that he loved going to. Um, I always describe it to people, they have a trampoline in front of the TV. It's built into the floor. <laughs> and he could just, you know, I can't build a trampoline into the floor in front of my TV, but he would love to jump up and down on this trampoline watching Challenge TV, old game shows on there. And it was just, he loved it. And we obviously got to have a little bit of a break and a recharge. And um, we naively thought that that sort of provision is available everywhere. We moved here, and one of the first things we, we asked about was, is there any kind of respite provision? And they said, there is, but having read your file, it's nothing like what you had before. There's no residential respite. 
And the way we do it here is you can have someone come over to the house for a couple of hours, maybe once a week, maybe a couple of times a week to do stuff with them in the home. And, you know, although, yeah, it's still theoretically respite, it's utterly useless for him because he doesn't get to go to that place that he liked going to or an equivalent. And for us, I mean, I, we now live an hour away from my other two kids. So if we get, if we've got two hours of respite, I mean, we would do stuff like take the kids to a movie on the weekends when Andy was away. Well, the way it will work now, and it still isn't set up, but if we get this couple of hours on a Wednesday afternoon, for example, um, we'll have just enough time to drive back, pick them up, drive back with them. And then, Oh, respite's done. We didn't actually get to do anything. Um, and it's, it's, so it's working completely differently. And yeah, the the schools, the school situation is mad. The fact that um, the fact that we can move and not have a school already in place, and the fact that yeah, it's all it like you say, it's it is the whole postcode lottery thing, um, and also professionals occasionally playing the game a little bit as well. Like one of the things that really frustrated me as part of the move was our last visit to Cams. Um, in our old in our old county to talk about because they they were the people who prescribe Andy's medication. For, it's a, effectively has an anxiety medication, um, to help him manage the meltdowns a little bit more. But about four or five years ago, I said to them, "Do you think it's possible that, in addition to his autism diagnosis, in addition to the anxiety, I think he also shows signs of ADHD?" And they said to us, "Maybe, but." we don't really diagnose that if they've already got autism because there's so many um, over, overlapping symptoms that there's no point doing the second diagnosis. And I remember the phrase that stuck out was, uh, and it made sense to me, so I never pursued it. The phrase was, will he benefit from getting that extra diagnosis? Is he going to, will he get any extra support for having the extra diagnosis as well? And I was like, well, no, he probably won't. He already has an EHCP. He already has a teaching assistant. He prob it probably won't make any difference. And they're like, well, then there's no point doing it. But then just before we moved, when they already knew we were moving and they knew it was our last appointment, they brought to us, I think what we're going to do, we're just going to refer him to for an ADHD assessment. Now, obviously, because you move in county, it won't actually take place here. Um, and also because he turns 16 and a half and it's a six-month wait, um, it won't be able to be processed through child services. It'll be adult services that have to do it. So probably what you'll have to do when you move, they'll have to re-refer you twice, once as a child and then once as an adult. So they referred him for this thing that I asked for five years ago, purely to tick the box to show that they'd identified he might have it, knowing full well they weren't going to have to deal with it and it was someone else's problem. And it, oh, I was furious because mm. if he has got that as well, maybe there's some other medication he could be having. Maybe there's some other stuff that we could have been doing with him. And um, it was just so blatantly passing the buck to a different county of, right, well, now we can tick this box. If it comes out in five years' time that he had ADHD and it's a huge problem, look, we yeah. identified it, not our problem. And it was, oh, it was so frustrating. Um, and it's just one of many examples of the whole system not being a cohesive whole. It's very much you've got your county and then your next county and they don't do the same things. They don't communicate with each other. And it's insane. We lived in Lincolnshire before. It's I think the second biggest county in the country. And um, I remember being told they only had one child. Uh, they only had one guy working for cams in the whole of the county. Um, 
and he would just travel around the different towns in the county and we'd have to go from where we were basically in Peterborough all the way up to Boston to see them because that's the closest they ever got to where we were and it would only ever be one afternoon a month that we were able to do it and I was working as a teacher at the time and I was like well I can't just take off a random Wednesday afternoon can we not fit this around me no Mm-hmm. No, it has to fit around us mm. and oh oh i could i could rant about this kind of stuff <laughs> well it's funny it's funny you say that kevin because um what really strikes me when you're going through all the forms is just how i mean it feels to me as though every single organization whether it's health services mental health services or social services whatever surely they would want it to be as easy as possible for us and it's not that way everything's a fight everything's about three or four forms away it's a follow-up email it's a follow-up call and it just it it almost as a as a parent makes you sort of feel like well i could pursue that but actually it's going to be six months of work i'm already snowed under with my actual job (laughs) is is it going to be too much um but yeah no i completely get i want to move on to to good stuff um so um we know Andy loves trains yes. and um, Daisy with Daisy hasn't got a love like that yet. She's only five. So she hasn't got a sort of passion. Um, just tell us about some of the, you know, there are these moments with autistic children. I think that which the emotion of happiness is heightened because of everything else bad. So where you look and you go, Oh my God, that's amazing. Just tell us about some of those moments. Um, I mean, there so many of them are going to be <laughs> going to be train related, um, but the one that really sticks out as the most overwhelming, overwhelmingly exciting moment was um, when we got to take him to Disneyland Paris for the first time, mm. um, or the only time so far, because that's uh, <laughs> mm. <laughs> that's been ruined a couple of times this yeah. year trying to get him back. But um, it's something that we um, we never. We'd always, he'd always been interested in the movies and he always gets so excited when a Disney movie comes on at the start where you have Tinkerbell flying over the castle at the start and he'll yeah. watch it and he gets so excited. Um, if it's a Pixar movie, he'll actually jump along doing the little jumping thing that they do at the start of the <laughs> Pixar movie. Um, he has to watch the credits all the way to the end on a Disney film because, again, it's so exciting to see the the Disney um branding come up at the end so it's something we'd always wanted to do but just always assumed we'd never be able to do partly because it's so expensive uh, but also (laughs) partly because we um we didn't think he'd be able to cope with it because he'd never had a holiday until last year um we'd had the odd trip away in a premiere in maybe for a night here and there um and he just struggled to cope with the change in routine being away from home and the thought of taking him to another country for a number of days to go and do something he'd never done before. Bearing in mind, usually whenever he does something for the first time, he hates it. I still remember a trip to the zoo from years ago um, where he likes animals. He likes looking at them on the internet. We took him to a zoo and he we, we were there about 20 minutes and we ended up having to have one of their stock wheelchairs. We had to go and fetch one, and basically strap him to a wheelchair and get him back to the car because he wouldn't, he just couldn't cope with it. Um, so the thought of taking him somewhere new in another country for that length of time, no chance, weren't interested. But we'd kind of built up his tolerance to it over the couple of years previously, trips to Alton Towers, um, like I mentioned, a couple of trips here and here and there in Premier Inns and things. And we kind of got to the point where my uh, my eldest daughter was, um, she was 
about to turn 18 and it was like if we're ever going to do this this is our last chance to do it when all three of them are kids so let's just do it and face the consequences and see what happens you know we booked i think we had three nights in france two two days of park passes booked um the whole going through the euro tunnel thing and we were prepared for a fight and from start to finish he pretty much loved the whole experience euro tunnel i don't know how we didn't think of this sooner be able to drive the car onto a train mm-hmm. are, you, are you kidding that was the greatest thing he's ever done that was as good as going to disney itself being able to drive the car directly onto a train and he he was he would obsessively watch videos about euro tunnel and the build-up to it as we were preparing him for it and um, he would have he'd have google maps planning the route and he was completely into the whole journey of it and um, so he loved the euro tunnel part um, he tolerated all the driving, even though he usually hates driving. But when, as we got towards Disney and you kind of see the castle appearing on the horizon as you drive up towards it, and the first time he saw it, he just let out the loudest, <laughs> most excited scream I have <laughs> ever heard. Um, his mum just burst into tears next to me in the car. It was like, oh my word, He, we were prepared for the worst and he was just absolutely over the moon and um it was like that the first time we walked into the parks it was like the first time we walked up to the castle it was like the first time he saw mickey mouse in there Mm. and just every part he absolutely loved and um yeah it was it's exactly as you say it's the the joy of it was heightened because for so much of the rest of the time he's struggling his anxiety the way they always describe it to us when we go and see his pediatrician is um his anxiety level is already at like a nine out of ten on a good day um he's always he's always right on the edge um and i think going to do that because it's something he's wanted to do for so long that took his anxiety down to maybe a six or a seven for a day and i don't know that he'd ever experienced a six or a seven before and he just had the best day of his life I think that it was really interesting listening to it was really interesting listening to Kevin there were so many things that resonated and I think that one of the things that I guess concerns me as as Daisy gets older and I don't know if we've touched upon it before but because she's getting bigger she's getting stronger and while she's been little it's been it's sort of been easy to manage when we talked about hospital the time she's been in hospital you can contain her because of her size Mm -hmm. as she gets older the ability to contain her neither of us are particularly big people um you do worry about the physical side of things and I know of late we've had there has been some sort of behavioural especially at night sort of hair pulling and pinching and it hurts it's quite painful Mm. and then your reaction to that is that you get you sometimes lose it when you're tired you feel angry you maybe shout stop or you pull a hand off a bit more aggressively than you intended to and you feel really guilty but as she gets bigger I worry about how I'm going to cope with that. I think that's quite a big one. I don't know how you feel about that, but... I, I, I think I'd probably just have more black eyes at work. <laughs> that's just from me. <laughs> it's scary, though, because yeah. the last thing you want to do is be physical back with your child. And, and again, I don't know how... 
I'm probably going to be viewed as being a horrendous mother for saying this, but there are times that you do have to physically stop her from doing something and it's you have to do it forcibly. Mm. Um, and how is that going to be when she's bigger? I worry about grandparents as well. I, I mean, as, yeah. sorry, as, but as you guys get older, how that's mm. going to be for you as well. I worry about your safety and, and it's a really horrible mixture of emotions for me. But, it's quite a thing yeah. when he had to make the decision to call the police. Um, yeah. And that, I think, is a nightmare scenario for us, isn't it? Um, yeah. Especially, uh, you're quite right. And also, uh, as well, is uh, I think maybe we... Is it too much to say, do you reckon, that we need to maybe think about taking a course about handling uh, and, and yeah. subduing? Yeah. Do we need to think about that? And so yeah, we, do it, we do it without I think danger? that's a really... Yeah. That's yeah. a really, really good point because I think one of the, you know, we've, we've talked about elephants in the room on this podcast before, but one of the elephants in the room is that when someone hits you, your first instinct is to hit them back. Yeah. <laughs> that obviously doesn't happen <laughs> with a child. And what you have to do is take that second to yeah. think, what is the best thing to do here? Because, I mean, particularly when, it, when, she, when she's really got her nails in, mm. there's a chance she's going to draw blood from you yeah. and you need to get her off there sooner or later and stop that but that's sort of manageable the bit that worries me is the bit where she's starting to hurt herself yeah which she's done whether she means to mm. or not so uh, kevin talked about andy punching the yeah. television which clearly is not a good thing for andy you know but also when the when that particular child is in that because again there, there was sort of reflection on the differences between a meltdown and just bad behavior and actually there are differences i mean when daisy is angry and is biting her hand to the point where she's drawing blood and leaving a bite mark on her own hand she seems completely oblivious to the pain that that's causing mm. her and that's really scary that's a really scary thing yeah. as a parent to watch your child harming themselves and not having any ability to stop that she's mm. she's unaware of where yeah she can't control that it's yeah also it ties into the, the thing there about um uh it's important to have the right you know the family uh all respond in the same way we all play the same game yeah. with, with, with Daisy, apart from me with the chocolate. But that's a different thing. <laughs> um, but but the other thing as well is, um, and 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 Kevin uh, pitched into this as well. This this guilt thing, and you asked a question, Nell, about ask you know the guilt of the parenting aspect of not being able to cope with it and not being able to do the right thing because sometimes the specific things she wants, she can't communicate to you, all right? She can point mm -hmm. to things, but then there's something even deeper that you maybe yeah. can never get there, and there must be a guilt associated with that. Yeah, yeah, hugely, because um, half the time we spend communicating with Daisy now is reacting to a, a scream, which can be an angry scream or just a general scream mm. for I want something, is going, hold on, get your book, her communication book, mm. ask us. So there's there's a natural delay to her getting what she wants. And when you think about a kid, <laughs> when they yeah. want what they want, they want it now but and she has to wait. But also as well, because of the difficulty with communication, we're just assuming that she's asking for something. She might not be asking for something, but 
she might be wanting to tell us something or she might be feeling something and that mm-hmm. scream is the only ability to, that she has to communicate and we're instantly saying go and get your book but at the moment the book she is not developed enough with her for her to be using that as and that, I mean that's what we're working on isn't it mm-hmm. is the premise that it will become more of a communication rather than an I want book yeah. that's that's mm-hmm. the ideal goal but it's very difficult because you constantly wonder whether what you're doing is right and whether you're adding to her frustration or but then there's a delay where she has to go and get her book although I will just say she is one of the things we haven't said she is using other things to ask for things now yeah, so all of yes. her books have become a all of her Peppa Pig books are now a communication book because any page that has food on it I want that <laughs> so yeah. oh I mean <laughs> what we one of the things we've noticed certainly during during this last lockdown is her ability to find a picture of an ice cream <laughs> in anything <laughs> yes. So she can genuinely pick a book out of the out of the shop, <laughs> open the page to the ice cream, and go, <laughs> and you just go. <laughs> it happened yesterday when we got the new Peppa Pig uh, Easter book, and I was just going to, and she found it. She went right to the back and found a big Easter egg. I went, I want that. That's what I want. Uh-huh. You're reading it. You're reading Gruffalo's Child. And that was, just, that was just one one reading of the situation. Um, the other thing I want to to put to you too as well, and I think you'll need to think about this because let's not get into the the whole thing that sometimes we do, especially me and Lou, and look too far ahead. All right, um, but I just wanted to ask about the whole thing about respite, respite, um, and and thinking about that as well. Even though you know Daisy's in the house all the time with you, I just wonder if you two are good enough at going for a rest. You worry, you worry me, you worry your, your parents because, you know, like she didn't sleep last night and you don't, you don't go for a kip. Uh, you, you know, and I sometimes worry that you're not stocking up your sleep or your rest or whatever because you always go and do something. No, I, I think you said we'd have to think about it. No, we're not very good at doing that. Mm. Um, you'd say the same, wouldn't you? Yeah. It's, it's, I don't know what it is. There is a... It's not a reticence to send her to anyone else because clearly we don't have a problem with that. It's you guys. It's something about wanting to almost right the wrongs of the night before. So, mm. you know, the, the, you're in you're in bed with her, she's getting scratchy and angry and you're telling her off and stuff like that. And sometimes I wake up and think, right, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a better day with her today. And you try and you try and do that you're right we should we should just suck it up and yeah. go we need a the, rest the difficulty is is that that next day everyone is just so tired including daisy that it the day then becomes so i mean i, I think we it's probably fair to say the last two to three days have been a bit crap mm. haven't they yeah um and you forget i think when you have that continuity of sleep deprivation but i think you're right we do need to 
we probably need to be better. Well, no, yeah, I, 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 I don't want to pile on. All I'm saying is just, you know, like the, the good thing for this, the podcast for us, is if we, we can say these things in open. And I'm sure it's a yeah. conversation, uh, you know, that around the country. Uh, that uh, parents, grandparents have with each other about, you know, you know, we've got to think about your strength and got to think about that. Um, uh, and, well, well, once once we've finished this, I'm going to go and have the same conversation with mum about getting respite from you. <laughs> All right, well done. Because I think she might need some time off. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, very funny, yeah. You're hilarious. Unfortunately, you're not hilarious enough. <laughs> You're over. <laughs> hey, listen, um, we always do at the end of the podcast, we always do the uh, uh, the great things that uh, the girl has done in the last few. Well, we've got so many things over the last three months. Um, so we start that with that. I'll, I'll start you off so you two can have a think. Yeah, go on. Um, I love her multitasking, <laughs> which just makes me laugh. Like, um, you know what we do with it because she doesn't keep her mind on things for too long. So I got the play doh play doh out the other day, and I like play doh. I love it. Um, so mm. I got that, but I took it up to the table. She was already on her iPad at the table and and doing her thing when she just needs a wee bit of time her own. So I just went up there and I started getting out, and she she looks at me at the corner of her eye. Just looks and suits me, and I'm taking this out. I said, "Oh, play doh. I like the play doh." And so I got it and I started flattening it. I said, "Oh, Daisy, would you help me roll this?" And without taking her eye off the iPad, she put her hand out and with the left hand, just rolled this flat, all right? And I said, oh, thank you very much. And I said, what shape would you like me to cut out of this? And she went, all right. And she picked up the heart and just did the heart like that and then pressed and did this all while everything else was going on. And I, she's such a great multitasker. But the thing was, and, and you picked up on this as well, Lou, is that she'll give you, she said, don't eat it because she, she'll eat it. Don't eat it, but she keeps one wee bit back that you don't. It's almost like a, it's like a, you know, a magic show. All right, look, there it is. Yeah, they have given you it back, but I've got this bit, and I'm going to have it. And <laughs> it's, it's she so, hides it. In- yeah, she's a she's a genius. Yeah. So I, I'm going to put in Daisy's multitasking as my positive thing. It's, it's funny because that's an example of um, of where it almost strays into her looking after you. Yes. You know how like, you yes. feel like you're being looked after. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> well, I'll go. I'll go next, and I actually want to say. Um, you know, I saw something online the other day, uh, and this is why it's important for us to do this in each episode uh, about digital footprint. And when we're talking about mm. our children, particularly those with special needs, everything that we put online, and this is online, they're going to see it at some yeah. point. And I. I'm completely comfortable with everything that we've talked about yeah. so far because we talk about it in a positive sense. Yeah. So I think it's really important that we mm. continue to just talk about the realities, but uh, also... Yeah, I think we need the reality has to be talked about because ultimately this is about Daisy, but it is also about us as her family and how we cope with it. And I think uh, what I would hope is if Daisy did listen to this when she was older... None of what we say is derogatory no. about Daisy. In fact, probably the opposite. But it's it is a glimpse into our world and mm. the reality of it. And that's the whole point, isn't it? This is about being honest because people then listening to it will get some, hopefully, some sort of I don't know comfort from that if they're in the same situation because yeah. that's yeah. what you need to hear. You need to hear the honesty. And I think Kevin is very honest, isn't he, with his yeah. blog? Yeah. So. 
you're right. Yeah. I think that there's a sort of you do have to be careful with digital footprint, and I, I think yeah, as long as we're aware. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, so so my moment of joy actually is. Um, something that I found funny 24 hours after it happened. And at the time I did not find it funny at all. So we're having sleepless nights and um, <laughs> it happened, it's happened all three days where about 24 hours later, I've laughed about something that she did overnight. So we've got a trampoline down here. It's just one of those little sort of workout trampolines. And uh, the morning after you'll realise that you heard her at half one in the morning bouncing up and down on a trampoline and you just hear the the squeaking of the trampoline (laughs) going up and down. And the other day we'd been to the, we'd been to the forest with Stu, Sally and the guys, my brother and his wife and the guys. Um, And there was a packed lunch that I'd made up, which she didn't eat all of. And it sat on the chair in the hall (laughs) When I came downstairs the morning after a sleepless night, <laughs> it was like there had been a midnight feast. There was a pot of strawberries that had been eaten. There was raisins. There was, there was, raisins. There was a satsuma with the skin on that had a bite out of it. <laughs> and I didn't find it funny at the time. But 24 hours after, very yeah. funny. It's good. So we leave everything very safe overnight because we've, we've sort of take, we've, we deal with nights differently now. We used to have this thing of trying to force her to go back to bed. There's no point. She kicks the gate off her door. And actually, we've decided that as long as everything is locked up downstairs and it's safe, we just. We just hear a potter up. She comes up and down the stairs, gets into bed with us, pulls our hair, goes back down. And actually, you've just reminded me because when she was on the trampoline bounce and she's got a giggle stick, you know, the. Hang on a sec. Yeah, imagine, so imagine this in the middle of the night. <laughs> oh, no. So you just... <laughs> oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I think probably on a path, if, if we're sort of thinking about the trampoline, although actually I have to say, seeing her with family again, I know we've, we've talked about mm. that before, but uh, seeing both sets of grandparents and seeing your brother and Sally and the kids, I mean, she was just so happy to see them all. Mm. Um, so that's a big one. But also I've just got to come back to trampolining because Daisy only learned to jump within the last sort of nine months or so. Mm. Um, so there's a big trampoline at our local park and she absolutely loves it. But Daisy jumps with straight legs and she loves to spin. So she's now doing this combined straight leg jumping whilst spinning at the same time. And her arms go up and down. So she's just got all this energy. She's got this earnest look on her face that almost falls over because she loses complete control of her body. And it is the funniest thing I've ever seen. But it just feel, it just makes my heart just swell because it yeah, is just, no, she's lovely. just yeah. so funny. Yeah. Loves it. <laughs> um, great. Uh, well, this is the start, as we said, right? Well, this is the, the start of the podcast. This is the uh, new series, and we've got some great guests lined up, some really interesting people lined up. Uh, remember, if you want to contact us, give us some feedback, maybe even things about respite or. Um, you know, maybe if your child is, is causing problems and is getting a bit bigger and how do you deal with the calming down, etc., then please let us know because this is a learning experience for us. Uh, well, you can probably hear it is anyway. Uh, what's the contact details now? It's daisyandmepodcast at gmail.com and it's at daisyandmepod on Twitter. Lovely stuff. And the great thing for me, folks, uh, was when I get to see them, 
uh, here and they do look tired and my son's forehead is getting much bigger. Uh, that's it for now. We will see you next time for the Daisy and Me podcast. Have a good one. Bye.